The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Welcome to the Super Speedway. Welcome to episode 74 of the Super Speedway Podcast, recorded Sunday, August 12th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Young, and my co-host, James Cush, is off on vacation, so I managed to find somebody at Michigan International Speedway, Aaron Bearden from Kicking the Tires. Aaron, how's it going? I'm good. You made a major downgrade, dude. You let the <laughs> guy who makes dad jokes and terrible puns come on a radio the show? The puns That's... have been epic this weekend, for sure. <laughs> Debatable. I, I've been enjoying them. <laughs> Highly debatable. Um, Aaron kicking the tires, and you're working with Jeff Gluck now, doing some stuff with him. Yeah, I'll pretty much go wherever they send me at this point. If you have any ideas or other places, <laughs> yeah, it's kicking the tires is my main one for NASCAR. I do some other stuff on the open wheel side, but I do that, and then I also do a newsletter called the Morning Warm Up that I started with Jeff Gluck. It's kind of, it's my baby, but he kind of assists with it. I guess is the way to describe it. Awesome. Well, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about the Consumers Energy 400 Michigan International Speedway. Uh, the big three came through, and Harvick gets the win this time. And there's not a whole lot else to say, is there? <laughs> the name was fitting because I had to consume a lot of energy things to keep going. <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. There uh, you go. <laughs> Kevin Harvick really took it to the field today. Won both stages, won the race. It was just it was one of those days, I guess. I mean, we got to like the midway point of stage two. We're getting toward the end of that when all the cautions and craziness had kind of died out. And you right. looked, and, oh, look, there's the big three, one, two, three. <laughs> and Truex kind of had an off day. And Bush, Kyle Bush, he slid back on a restart there and never seemed to get back. But as long as Harvick was out front, I don't think anybody was going to have anything for him today. Yeah, Austin Dillon tried to give it his best shot by taking two tires on the pit stop, gets out ahead of him and held the lead for, what, a lap before Harvick was able to get back by him. Yeah, he Said on pit road, he wished uh, something about. I think he wanted to do, wish he could have adjusted his track bar more right okay. there at the start. He thought it, it's always great to say this in retrospect, obviously, but he seemed to think that if he could have been able to fend Harvick off for a lap or two, Harvick was pretty loose behind him there at the end. He right. thought maybe if he could fend him off for a lap or two, he would have had a shot at holding him off. But if we saw what happened there to Dylan at the end, I'm not yeah. even sure it would have mattered. But still, good run for Dylan and that RCR team just didn't quite have enough for Kevin. Yeah, I would say finished fourth, right? Yeah. Fourth place, I'd say, is pretty much a win for them guys right now anyway. Yeah, I think their best finish after Daytona before today was 12th, I believe. Right. Somebody, some stat dude's going to look that up and tweet <laughs> at me, you're wrong, Aaron! Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah, he, he'd had a, a very good run by RCR standards. He was... Top 10 most of the day, crept up, actually moved forward naturally during right. the race. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah. and I mean, they was, did stretch it a little bit on with fuel to try and stay yeah. out there, but still yeah. it was it was a, a small strategy play to be able to spend less time on pit road. It wasn't like a major just, you know, wing it to try and see what happens. He was there, legit. No, yeah, he was – it kind of in a weird way reminded me of 2015. I don't know if very many people remember that, but – in 2015, they actually, I think he started toward the back, and they yeah. did a pit strategy that got him up front early in the race, and he led what at the time I think was the most laps he had ever led in a race. I don't know right. the stat or anything of that regard, but in that race, he kept himself up front most of the day after that, and he ended up finishing fourth. Well, lo and behold, we get to today. He didn't necessarily need any pit strategy to get there, but it's sort of the same result. He comes up, has a good run, really should have finished second. We saw he had right. a vibration there at the end. I think he thought a tire was coming undone, but... Comes home fourth, and that, that, for that team, 
especially where we're at right now and leaning toward the playoffs after the regular season they've had, that's a huge result and gives them at least a little bit of hope going into the postseason. Definitely. It was uh, definitely a single groove or mostly, I guess not so much single groove, but just hard to pass Mm -hmm. uh, today. The one thing I found really interesting was at the beginning of the race, we had, you know, these these guys up front and the big three were up front at at one point. And then we hit this point in the middle of the race where suddenly – it was there were different guys up front. Brad Keselowski was up there, uh, Austin Dillon was up there, Ryan Blaney was up there, and it, like the whole thing flipped. But Harvick was still there, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So kept that a little less interesting with him up there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so Harvick he gets his his forty fourth win today, ties him with Bill Elliott now all time. I think he's seventeenth all time, I believe is what it is. Something in that range. Yeah. I know he's top twenty now. So just clicking him off is, I mean. What are your thoughts this season? Obviously, you know, everybody's talking about the big three. We don't – there's no way knowing for sure if all three will make it to Homestead. They likely will unless they somebody screws up. But is Harvick the strongest of the three? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, now, now Dale is the only big three I need. No, but um, <laughs> I think it's really hard to say, right? I mean, yes, Harvick wins now, but three weeks ago we thought Kyle Busch was the top one. Right. I think Truex is definitely considered probably the underdog of the three. If you I think he, I think they like being have, the underdog. If you can even have such a thing as an underdog, he he's there. You've got though what, he had four. a performance like Harvick at Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there. I don't know that there really is any one team that you can say, oh, that's your champion, like your favorite to win that title right now, especially with NASCAR's playoff format now, because right. you know Harvick might be the guy to beat, but if he comes and they have something go wonky he gets a loose wheel with 100 to go at homestead it doesn't matter right all those bonus points you know when truex was running away with it and had all those bonus points last year it's easy to say well he's got a spot in homestead Mm -hmm. because only three drivers can win going into homestead yeah but all three of these guys can't get in on points (laughs) somebody they're gonna have to win races too in theory in theory i think it's really going to come down to probably that next to last round if we don't see any surprises and a huge like upsets like if we don't see something like when jimmy johnson and kevin harvick won a few years ago or something like that right i don't think there's going to be anything that knocks them out but to your point if something crazy goes down like somebody could steal one of martinsville like it's a short track yeah in theory that's the place where you could see it and then from there i think it comes down to if somebody can excel at the right time or do like harvick did last year where he has a quiet year but he delivers a strong run in one of the last races of the season, gets a win. Next thing you know, he's in the championship four. Right. And he ended up – I mean, he was a, he was third to Truex and Bush last year, but it put him in the picture. And I think it's going to take a run like that for something to quell the big three with as much of an advantage as they have now. I agree with that. I, it'll be really interesting to see just who is going to stand out when it when it matters because right now, like you said, I think it's definitely Harvick and Bush kind of trading shots with Truex sneaking in there every now and then and hanging on there, and it's it's going to come right down to it. It'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of track it over the course of the year. It's it's totally different from like a few years ago. We kind of didn't know who was going to win or who was going to do what. Like right. 2016, yeah. there were a couple guys you thought were favorites, and then Jimmy Johnson wins a championship right. after – one of the quieter years of his career. Who so, knows? It could still happen. Yeah. And then last it's Jimmy. Year, yeah, it's Jimmy. They could do it at any time, especially with Chevy like slowly trending in the right direction. But right. like last year, we had the driver, I guess Truex. You could almost say big two the way Bush to, like came on in the second right. half of the year. But Truex was clearly the guy. But this year, yet again, we've just been given a completely different set of circumstances. And honestly, with the big three running as strong as they have. 
the thing I've been watching more than anything is who's who's going to end up being that guy that gets to play the underdog role. Right. What I was going to ask you that, like, who's the fourth guy? It, <laughs> Nobody stands out. I mean, and Boyer has two wins, mm-hmm. but one of those is a range shortened win, and and he doesn't consider himself in that category quite yet. I don't think anybody does. I, yeah, I mean, there's nobody quite ready to latch onto that, and it's. Really, it's going to come down to, hey, who can peak in that last round? Right. And I think that's where you almost lean toward Boyer because Martinsville's in that last round. Definitely. And you have to remember, the, the first of his two wins and the one that wasn't in a rain-delayed race, albeit it was postponed today by snow of all right. things, <laughs> was Boyer at yeah. Martinsville. So I think that if you're going to make me like pick one right off the, like off the bat, if it's going to be off a win, I'm going to say Boyer. If it's going to go off consistency, it's hard to say. It could be a Logano or a Keselowski, somebody like that who can put together three great runs like we saw Brad do last year. He right. kind of snuck in there. It took Chase and Denny having their little spat for it to happen. But <laughs> I think it's going to be something like that. I don't know that there's one guy. It's going to be either somebody's going to get that win, probably at Martinsville if it's going to happen, or maybe maybe Texas. And if not, it's going to be who can get three top fives in a row and kind of sneak their way in. And I, I don't know that any one guy has been consistent enough to say, hey, it's going to be him. I think I agree with you. Now, Brad Keselowski had probably one of the best championship celebrations at Homestead mm-hmm. with the giant boot of beer. Can you imagine a Clint Boyer championship celebration? <laughs> Bush. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'd be entertaining to watch, that's for sure. Definitely. You know. When I think of Boyer late season, now I think of that Phoenix deal with Gordon back in 2012. It'd yeah. be interesting to see him on the other end of the, right. the spectrum with the other extreme celebrating. I think that would be a very interesting post-race press conference. I think so, definitely. Any post-race press conference is interesting with Boyer, anytime he's in the media center for that matter. Oh, sure. Um, the, I guess the strangest thing that happened today, probably worth talking about, Ty Dillon hit something on the back stretch, hit the wall a ton. I haven't seen somebody hit the wall that hard at Michigan in a long time. Yeah. It looked like a battery. There was some debate about whether it could be a battery because most teams only run one battery. Mm-hmm. But whatever it was, that was crazy. It kind of looked like, you know, like when Apple puts out the new iPhones right. and then the old iPhones like suddenly go, <laughs> it kind of it felt like that. You know, yeah. we see there's the battery and it's gone. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it was, I don't know what was going on with that. A lot of people thought it might be tungsten, but yeah. most of the people I know, the 43 team tweeted that it was a battery and Daryl Wallace Jr., Bubba Wallace was right behind that when it right. happened. So they would have had the perspective on that. And I thought it was peculiar. Timmy Hill exited the race shortly thereafter, right. and the reason for the exit was battery-related. We might know soon about whether. Yeah, I got an <laughs> inkling that might have had something to do with it. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Anything else to talk about with this race? I think that pretty much covers it, doesn't it? Yeah, Keelan Harvick got yes. to live out my six-year-old dream. Keelan was great. Keelan gets to ride with Harvick at, in the post-race uh, victory <laughs> lap, comes in and does the press conference with Harvick, too. Yes. I've got I, – I have six year old boys so it's interesting to see you know the perspective and and know how they would be sitting up there he had some like one word answers but it was it was adorable yes it was <laughs> it's been interesting to watch him kind of in the last few years he's really started to show his personality yeah. <laughs> and he is one of the more how would I say this he's one of the less shy kids right in terms of like all the drivers you know he's most been of right them, there in the middle of it from the very beginning too. yeah most of them kind of ease back but Keelan likes to be right up there 
kind of in it. He likes to be with his dad. Yeah. And this weekend in particular, I guess it was a father-son weekend. <laughs> it sounds like they had a little bit of fun. Harvick yeah. said he crashed a golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's already getting racy. So <laughs> I guess at least one Harvick had trouble this weekend behind the wheel. But <laughs> yeah, Not Keelan's, the one that mattered, though. Yeah, Keelan, <laughs> Keelan's a fun one to watch. Yeah, and definitely. Kevin's been giving him a lot of spotlight <laughs> with all these wins. I have a feeling Mom might have some things to say when they get home, but... <laughs> <laughs> That finish might be encumbered. There you go. <laughs> so I guess we always kind of hit on some news here. We're doing this. Usually we do this in the middle of the week. So more news comes out. But I guess the big news this weekend was the silly season. Mm-hmm. A lot of talk about where people are going. There's talk that Kurt Busch is going to go to uh, go to Ganassi possibly and, and all that. There's a ton of dominoes to fall there. Anything you have to say on any of that? Any comments on any of – obviously it's real early and it kind of just – we went from – well, we don't know what's happening with Kurt Busch to all of a sudden, here's a bunch of moves that might happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no dominoes. Oh, dominoes are falling everywhere. Right. <laughs> no, uh, really, I don't I don't know for sure, yeah. quite frankly. I know the reports were from a lot of outlets that you would mostly consider reputable. Right, they seem pretty credible. Yeah, so it's not something that I think you can just discard or ignore. I think there might be some serious stake behind the claims, I guess. Right. Uh, if it's true, it makes you wonder what's next for some of these guys, because if because obviously the reports were saying that Bush is leaning towards Chip Ganassi racing right, right now. That was kind of the thing. And there, some people say he's going to replace Jamie McMurray. Some people say, well, McMurray's going to stay. It might be a third team. It's hard to know for sure. Right. They both have contracts expiring at the end of this year, to my knowledge. So it's feasible. Right. I guess the question then becomes, one, if Bush does go there, what happens to that Stuart Haas seat? Because I don't know if you've been watching. We just saw Kevin Harvick <laughs> win his seventh race this year. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are probably sizing up that Stuart Haas seat if it comes available. And I believe Gene Haas said on Sirius that he has no intention of getting rid of that team. So yeah, they'll need somebody to fill that seat if he goes somewhere. Yeah, uh, I'll put my resume in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I can Although I did the ride along with Richard Childress this morning, and it was a different experience than what I'm used to. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I, it was. I've never done the pace car ride along before, and, and oh, there's really? so many G's in the corner that you don't even think about when you. Yeah, hit and you it. weren't it's, at race pace. Try no, those G's exactly. when you go. Yeah, we were doing about 120 in the turn. Yeah, try 219. <laughs> yeah, uh. no. it was it was different for sure. The other one that's interesting is Martin Truex Jr. He hasn't signed his contract yet with uh, with Furniture Row. There's talk about Toyota because they're not signed with Toyota yet. Yeah. And then I hadn't heard any talk about the possibility that that wouldn't be a team at all. Mm-hmm. But now there's talk about that or Truex might go somewhere else. So that's another huge domino, I would say. Yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen with that. You, it'd be hard to imagine a scenario in which a defending champion with four wins that's right. considered one of a so-quoted big three yeah. would lose his ride. That would... <laughs> I'd be a surprise, but it is interesting to see that nothing has become concrete about that yet. Nothing's popped up. You know, I think you would, Truex is probably in the best position of his career coming to the yeah. end of a contract, though. Yeah, you would think that he would be a hot commodity anywhere. Obviously, funding is a big aspect of racing. It's something that's unique to our sport. But with as much success as he's had and as strong as he's been on a consistent basis, it's hard to imagine that Truex wouldn't end up with something, and it's – even harder to imagine Furniture Row wanting to buck the ch- the system too much with right. how strong they're running overall. Exactly, exactly. You know, I'm sure it has a lot to do with just the right things need to fall into place. And yeah, I'll say this: if something crazy does happen there, one way or the other, I think it will say a lot. If a team that's winning championships oh, can't, 
and a driver that seems to be in the prime of his career and arguably one of the top two or three drivers in the whole sport right now. Right. If they can't make it work to stay together and keep that rolling, I think that's going to say a lot. And I'll this, leave it at that. This year is going to say a lot in general. I mean, obviously we've seen the, the deal with Hattori Racing and uh, the Truck Series with Brett Moffat, who's performed really well this year, and they've struggled yeah. with sponsorship, but they now have everything kind of lined up through the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But, in, you know, at the Truck Series, you kind of – Maybe don't expect it for that winning of a driver, but mm-hmm. you expect it a little bit more. But in the Cup Series, we have the Truex deal. We have Jimmy Johnson, who's looking for sponsorship for next year, too. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it'll it's going to say a lot about where our sport is, for sure. Yeah, and it's not it's not just exclusive to NASCAR, either. No, I know definitely. I cover a lot of IndyCar, and we went through this whole deal with Scott Dixon a couple yep. years ago with Target. It's not something that's unique to any one driver or circumstance it's something we're seeing all around in motorsports right now there's you mean nascar is not doomed uh, <laughs> i don't know have you been on twitter <laughs> it depends on who you ask but no i don't think any of them are quite doomed just yet i would i would hesitate on all that but it's it is disheartening yeah i will admit that it, it does all oh, things were stink. great back in the 2000s when everybody was just throwing money in and everybody well, wanted to be on a car but yeah it's not even necessarily just that it's just as a child or somebody younger in the sport when you're naive you always like to think oh you know if i've got all the talent in the world i'm gonna get there right and we still see cases where it happens Definitely. i mean look at look at kyle larson ganassi takes a chance on him finds the sponsorship kind of to make it work and larson's championship contender last year i would Say, if Chevrolet can hit their marks, he becomes a dark horse immediately yeah. this year. I think just, I mean, all he, I mean, all he's got to do is get to Homestead, but he's so uh-huh. strong at Homestead that, mm-hmm. you know, if he can get there, he's going to be somebody that you're going to look at for possibility. Yeah, he's go. been named as the fourth all year long. He hasn't won a race yet, so yeah, he starts clicking off a couple wins. Yeah, he's <laughs> one that you always have to keep an eye on. Yeah. Just, I don't know, it is disheartening sometimes to think of a guy like in Truex's position or something like that that just might lose out not based on talent but just based on sorry man nobody wanted to step up and right. sponsor it, it's it is disheartening to see especially when we have like ben wallace from the nba in here earlier you know that was pure talent he gets to the Detroit pistons and helps lead them to a championship he never right. had to worry about oh it was my sponsor staying with me it was i have to show up do my job and we can win a championship yeah it's hard when you see that and then we see the complete opposite dynamic in our sport but it's part of what part of what racing's always been. You yep. adapt to it and you live with it. That's what it's all about. All right, Aaron, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, oh dear, <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. Right. So when I stumbled across you the first time, it was a few years ago at Eldora. You were trying to get credentials for the Truck Series race out there. Yeah. Um, how'd you get here? Where Where'd you come from? Where How did you get into this whole deal? So when I was about three, I think I went to my first qualifying day at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. My parents have gone to the Brickyard 400 since the inaugural. They started watching racing in like, I think the early 80s. Okay. Because summertime, they wanted a sport to watch. It was pretty much either racing or golf. And it's my understanding golf wasn't a whole lot of fun to watch in the <laughs> 80s. Because they didn't have the cameras they have now. It was if the players that you wanted to see weren't performing well, you didn't get to see them, really. That's my understanding from hearing from them. And they found that kind of distasteful. They didn't like it, so they started watching racing. (laughs) And so by the time I came around, they'd been watching for 10, 15 years. And so I learned my numbers from racing. (laughs) I learned a lot of words. I used to try to say good inch, like good wrench for (laughs) Dale Sr. Nice. And I just always loved it. First race was an IROC race, the Brickyard, everything else just always enjoyed it 
and I never even dreamed of interacting with it really. Right. But when I was in junior high, I used to write stories and I'd write like one of them was like 150 plus pages in Microsoft Word and then our <laughs> computer died and I lost it. Oh man. Knowing what it was about, it might have been for the better. It was probably <laughs> garbage, but what was standing, I liked to write. And when I got into college, I started tracking racing more and more, and it became easier to track, I would say, because of social media. You could really invest in it right. and feel like part of the sport. And it finally got to a point one day where I was like, I want to I do something with it and see. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to break in. I never dreamed of all this, but right. I just wanted to see like what people did in racing or how. I wanted to learn more about how it worked, I guess. So I started asking people, like, what can you even do? And I messaged one day. I sent a thing. I think it was it was actually Jeff Gluck. He was doing like a Q and A type of deal, okay. like he used to do on Twitter a yep. lot, and he still kind of does. And I remember I just asked him like, "What can somebody do to to start in racing or to get an idea of what goes on with it?" And he responded, oh, "You should make a blog, <laughs> start writing." I was like, "Well, how convenient! I like to write." Right. So my saw no my junior year, like in between my junior and senior year around that time of college which was 2014, 2015, I started a blog. I called it Aaron Talks Racing because, quite frankly, I couldn't think of any better <laughs> name. I think some of the articles are still out there if you want to cringe. <laughs> to, uh, just started writing, didn't think anything of it, just having fun with it. Well, when people started sending me messages, like, hey, man, I like what you write. You're doing okay. It's fun to watch you. I was like, well, if, if people like it, I guess I'll, I'll keep trying to do it. Right. So then it became, well, ARCA and stuff's coming around. Maybe maybe I can sneak out to a racetrack, actually talk to a driver, kind of have some fun with it. So I remember I sent an email to Winchester Speedway. Okay. And they gave me a credential for the ARCA race in 2014. And I was as lost as you would imagine. <laughs> I went out there, kind of tried to figure out what I was doing, spent two days following ARCA and having a good time. It was 30 minutes from my college campus. I went to Ball State and just had a blast. Ken Schrader was on the pole. Brandon Jones won. Okay. He's for Joe Gibbs now. He won his first ARCA race that day for Turner Scott Motorsports. Hmm. So I had a lot of fun, kind of got to know some of these guys, got to talk to some of them, kind of shake off the jitters, you know. Right. And from there it became, well, people liked my stuff after that. So I was like, well, I'll try another one. I sent like a desperate plea to Eldora. They had their <laughs> their second edition of what was then the uh, Mud Summer Classic. Now, yeah. obviously, it's the Eldora Dirt Derby. Right. And I ended up getting to cover that. Why he gave me a shot, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Roger Slack. I think, honestly, there weren't very many people. I don't know if maybe they didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal. Well, in the, the first year, year was huge. Everybody came out. And then yeah. the second year, it, it was wasn't the big spectacle. I was, there was a so. fan the first year. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, so the second year, I got a credential to it, and went and kind of got my name out there a little bit, talked to, like, the Chris Knights of the world. Yep. Just kind of stuck my foot in the door a little bit. Not too much came of it, but I kept writing. At the end of the year, I did, like, two more archivists, too. And then at the end of the year, uh, a couple people from Front Stretch reached out to me, said, hey, you're going to write for us next year? I'm going to talk. And I said, sure, why not? So then I spent a couple years writing for Front Stretch, and they got me – credentials for my first cup weekend at kentucky speedway in 2015 i slept in the back of my 98 gmc <laughs> sonoma at a love's truck stop and i covered nascar at kentucky and i've thought about doing that actually sleeping yeah. in the car <laughs> i've done it more than once yeah and then from there it became i met like gluck and all them and kind of got my foot in a little more and then it became you know let's do hey let's do indy and then <laughs> 
I'm gonna cry a little bit, going to my home track and covering my my lifelong race, and right. then Chicago, and then 2016 came, and I'm like, oh, let's do some more. They made, they bumped me up a little bit. Next thing I know, I'm going to like Watkins Glen <laughs> and stuff like that, and moved over to kicking the tires for 2017. Got an annual credential, and I've just been wherever I can go. I'll I'll just go. It's not. I don't make a ton of money. I make enough where I can kind of set a little bit of a travel schedule and have fun with it. But right. people just keep supporting me and they keep pushing me. I keep trying to get better. I'm always asking for feedback. And I just, I've always loved motorsports. And I think you have to have that passion to really stick around with it and try to pursue it at this point. So I agree. I've just been trying to share that passion with everybody I can and kind of tell the stories from the sport that I've always loved. <laughs> I just... I never expected to get to anything like this. I didn't expect to cover a race. Right. I didn't expect for anybody to care. I didn't even have a friend in racing before I started doing this. <laughs> now it's kind of blown up way beyond what I ever could have expected. And you're doing more than just NASCAR. You do all kinds yeah. of motorsports. Yeah. Whatever I can get to. Right. It's uh, I've done, I think, Gateway will be my 10th IndyCar race this year, maybe mm-hmm. nine. I've done, I think this was my seventh cup race. I've done some truck races. I've done super late models. Did the little 500 <laughs> speedway. I do some short track stuff. I'll do just about anything because there are great stories and great people in all levels of motorsport in every series. There's always a story worth telling. Right. And that to me is what I wanted to make my, I don't want to say my brand, hashtag brand. Right. That's what I wanted <laughs> to make my, I guess my mindset around is if there's a story worth telling, I want to tell it. And the longer I go along, the more I really lean towards that. Right. I would rather tell an interesting story about a, like somebody who persevered and made it and had like this long journey and does a great job than write about the guy who finished third and was kind of disappointed with finishing third again. Right. Which I don't even who finished third day was it Kyle? I'm not I'm not naming any driver. It was yeah, just a generic so. story. <laughs> yeah. So don't don't link that people. <laughs> right. That was just for the moment. <laughs> like I just I don't know. I love racing and I like sharing it. So. Well, and you've drawn the eye of Jeff Gluck. <laughs> he's, he, you're helping him out where you're doing the newsletter you were already doing kind of a newsletter thing on facebook right he said yeah i was doing a thing on facebook i would post like just bullet points it was like eight to ten bullet points about hey here's this here's, here's what happened yesterday here's what's going on today if they had a schedule i'd post a picture that had the weekend schedule with it and then i just started calling it the morning warm-up actually i was at an indycar race when i came up with the idea and if you go to IndyCar, a lot of times, especially at the uh, road courses, they'll do a warm-up in the morning right. before the race. Like a, It's not really a practice session, per se. They get like a few laps to kind of shake the car down. Right. And I was like, well, it makes sense. Got to shake things out for the day. I'll just call it the morning warm-up. And there you go. He did a, he tried a newsletter the year before and just didn't have the time to commit to it. So I found out about that. He found out about that. We kind of crossed paths and we're like, hey, let's try it. Awesome. So far, it's been a lot of fun. Been doing, going pretty well, I think. About a month and a half in, doing okay. It's fan, it's fan supported now. We have right. a Patreon for well, it. I was going to ask you about that. Go ahead and plug your Patreon page. Oh, geez, dude, I'm terrible. <laughs> I know you hate that. I hate plugging things <laughs> like that, dude. I hate plugging myself. If it's good <laughs> enough, support me, but fine. But yeah, I have a Patreon. Uh, just I think it's patreon.com slash AaronBeard93, I think. It, you can look it up on Patreon. I'm sure it'll pop up. Just look up my name. But yeah, I write that newsletter each day. Makes enough. It had a, a very strong initial support right. group come in, and I've really enjoyed that. It, it was very humbling to me. 
Because, you know, again, I come from not expecting anybody to even care about what I was writing, let alone <laughs> want to put financial incentive towards it for me. So right. it means a lot. I, I really am humbled by it. And if you guys want to go support it, if you're listening to this, by all means, I'm not going to require it of you. I'm not going to ask it of you. The newsletter is free to anybody that wants to sign up. You don't have to sign up yet either. You can follow me on social media and put up with my puns and everything <laughs> else if you'd like. But Yeah, beware. Yeah, they're they're bad. <laughs> Posted a picture of Jeffrey Earnhardt with a dog today. <laughs> Wasn't good. Said life's rough. Nice. Yeah, there, there's no good puns, though. No. Uh, well, <laughs> they're all good because they're exactly. all bad. Right. As long as you know they're bad, then they're yeah. good. I joke, you've got kids. I don't. I say I've got the dad jokes and the dad bod, but no kids. Yeah. I've got all the best aspects of the dad life with none of the commitment. Yeah. It's good. It's My good. boys would very much appreciate your humor. Yes. <laughs> Clutch. Um. <laughs> You, I mean, I had a bunch of questions prepared for you, but you pretty much answered them. If you have any, um, ask one. What, uh, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into this? I mean, I've been doing it myself, too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, my advice is just just do something. But, I mean, yeah. what's, what is, what's your thought on it? Number one, don't expect anything. Right. Don't go into it too lofty of expectations. Go into it and take it for what it is and really cherish what you get. And it'll always be rewarding to you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> consistency is key. Even I struggle with that sometimes. You know, I work a day job outside mm-hmm. of this. So sometimes during the week, it's hard for me to get the time. Right. But just being able to put out consistent content, make sure it's always quality. Edit twice. <laughs> <laughs> Edit three times. Yeah. Do whatever it takes to make sure you don't miss up on anything too big. That's a big one. And my big thing is just to find a way. If you want to be in racing, find a way to get to the track. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be NASCAR. The main the big things I learned early on, I mean I did some stuff for Speed fifty one and for my blog, I would go to a short track. Right. It didn't have to be anything. You know, one of my first races I ever covered was an iCar modified race at Angola Motorsports Park. <laughs> I don't know too many people that know of either of those things, the place right. or the series. It's <laughs> it's a pretty local country track up in north central Indiana. And the iCar Modifieds pretty much only run in, like, the little Midwest area. I've heard of those. I've yeah. heard of the track, so. Yeah, like, that was one of the first races I covered. And those races are never going to get you the huge views unless you're somebody, like, if you do super late models, you kind of can. You can establish a niche or something like that. Like, you look at, I look at, like, Matt Weaver, for example, right. with Short Track Scene. But the thing that those tracks will get you is just knowledge and experience. There aren't a lot of PR reps there. You have to chase everything yourself. You know, the top five line up on the front stretch, and you have to go out there and interview them yourself if you want to talk to them and get quotes. Right. You got to transcribe it yourself. We're kind of <laughs> blessed in NASCAR. A lot of stuff. Oh, that was the first thing the when reps. I started doing NASCAR that was like, holy cow, they transcribe it for you? Yeah. And Actually, the first one for me was the media site because I didn't have access to the media site the first time. <laughs> and so I'm like there with my tape recorder trying to record everything. And then I get oh, access yeah. to the media site. It's like, I don't need this in the media center. That's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, do that stuff, get experience, and then when you get to the big track, like when you get to NASCAR or an IndyCar race or something like that, introduce yourself, ask questions, make your presence known, right? and just do a good job. You don't have to start a bunch of drama. You don't have to <laughs> act crazy. Just If you are doing good work, introducing yourself to the right people, asking the right questions, doing the right thing, people will catch on after a while. I mean, I didn't do anything other than that, and... Maybe some of that's even up for debate. But 
if you're making an effort to be there, the people notice, and if you're doing a good job, people are going to notice. Right. And those are really the two biggest keys to me. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going into Bristol next weekend. It's the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race. Um, Aaron, I told you beforehand, we usually do, James and I do picks. Um, I'll give you first run at it. Uh, who do you think is going to win the thing? I mean, this now, is Now, I will tell you, we've kind of been avoiding the big three because they win everything. But you're you're new here you can go ahead and can i give them a the big three big three and a non-big go three? for it well we usually do a big th- we usually do a, a pick and a dark horse and do a big three a non-big three and then a legit dark horse perfect works for me so big three kyle bush yeah he just swept there. this weekend last year <laughs> i can't not pick kyle bush i think you have to pick kyle bush anytime you go yeah. to bristol he's points leader yeah he's dominant if he would have been the one out front there toward the end of the race he probably could have held on to it too like right. he, he's just Kyle Busch is an insane talent, so I think he's hard to pick against at a track like that. Uh, if you want one outside of the big three, I'm kind of keeping my eye on the Penske guys. I don't know. The The easy thing to do would be to go and say Eric Jones because he ran so strong here last year. Right. And he's obviously, I would say, been running better Yeah. recently. He's kind of – Except for today. Yeah. Well <laughs> – Today yeah. was a rough day. Yeah. I don't know if the second crash was his fault no. per se, but <laughs> – First one was him. He spun out. On his yeah. Own. Yeah. I would say I'm leaning toward a Penske guy. I've been waiting on Brad Keselowski to get that big win. Right. And he's been good at Bristol in the past. He's always been good at short tracks in general. So I'm kind of keeping my eye on Keselowski this weekend. I think we saw how close he was today. We know he wants to win. He was talking about that up there on the oh yeah podium. So I think he really wants to win one. And if he's in position, I think he can make it happen. And if you want a dark horse – it's almost too easy of a dark horse pick now because he's kind of shown his hand there a few times. But Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is yeah, really good, good at Bristol. He's he's just – I don't know what it is about Roush and him there, but there's been two or three times he's had himself top two, top three with a chance to win if circumstances fall right. So right. he's one to watch. And if he gets a chance, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ricky put the bumper to somebody because he's yeah. in the position that like an Austin Cindric was in at Canadian Tire last year. He needs that win and he needs it now if he's going to make the playoffs. Yeah, if he's if he's within bumper's reach, he's mm-hmm. winning that race. I, yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. If I were in his shoes, I would do it. <laughs> I like those. Um, it works out too good also because you didn't pick anybody we picked. So I had James send me picks. Uh, James picked Joey Logano for the winner, so okay. he went Penske route as well. Um, Matt DiBenedetto is his dark horse. Matty D, Went he's really dark. On he's that leaning one, back on that BK racing run, huh? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it could happen. Yeah. Uh, I went Kyle Larson on it. Kyle's been good okay. at Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, he's due to come back and, and, you know, turn some things around. He's been struggling the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dark Horse, I went Daryl Wallace Jr. He had a good battle up front uh, in the spring, I think it was, right? Was yeah. it spring or last year? I don't it remember. Was, I think it was before, was it before the rain? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I was there. Yeah. Because I had to drive home after the rain <laughs> out. So, yeah, I think he had a, a span early, like mid-race there, where he actually, like, got up to the lead even. Yeah, and was actually up front, and then he kind of faded over the second half. But so was it, was he can be in the right place at the right time. Good runs. He's another one too. You have to get the bumper to him. He's going to go for uh, it. I think. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Then, Aaron, I appreciate you stopping by. Um, where can they find you on on Twitter if they want to find you? Say this: pick a social media. Look up Aaron Bearden ninety three. It's not a driver. It's my birth year. <laughs> Because some real estate agent in California has Aaron Bearden for everything. Yeah. So, yeah, look up Aaron Bearden 93 on whatever. You can find me. Send me stuff. Tell me I suck. It's great. <laughs> it's a ton of fun. I'm sorry in advance for the puns, but I do my best. I tweet too much, and hopefully you enjoy me. There you go. <laughs> Mine's an attorney. There's an attorney with my name, and there's a baseball player and a wrestler. So 
it's Man. tough. It's tough to find. So I'm T Super Speedway on Twitter. Uh, you can find the Facebook or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the super speedway. You can find us on our website, www.thesuperspeedway.com. You're at kickingthetires.com. Is that the website? Dot net. Dot net. There you go. Yeah, buddy. All right. Um, you can find our podcast on Super Speedway as well as uh, any other articles and things. We've got a bunch of coverage from Michigan this weekend, some photos and things like that. So, Aaron, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Thank you for your time, Eric. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. It was a good time. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Ah!